hey, this morning, I, I feel like the Lord's got something for us to hear. And I, you know, this is, this is one of those things. I feel like God is taking us into a season, into a, in, in, this, in this strange time that we live in, that we're, we're entering into a, a season of extraordinary faith. Extraordinary faith. Well, we're going to have to be people that live with extraordinary faith every day. I, I want to start here. Go to Matthew chapter 19. And let me start with this scripture here. Jesus was talking to his disciples in Matthew 19, verse 23. He says, I assure you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into heaven. The disciples heard this. They were astonished, and they said, then who can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible. And then he makes this, this blanket statement that I think covers, it goes beyond what they were talking about. It just covers everything. He says, with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. So there's, there's two things I want to talk about. I think this really kind of, this kind of puts the ball in God's court when you read it this way. Well, with God, everything's possible, right? I was talking to my kids the other day. One of them came up to me and said, Dad, I'm trying to, to do something impossible. I said, what, okay, what are you trying to do? He said, I want to sneeze with my eyes open. I said, I don't think that's, I don't think that's possible. That, that's, that's impossible. And he, he got upset with me. He said, I thought everything was possible with God. Well, I was, I was happy that he was catching that, but I, I said, I don't think that's, that applies here, you know, and I think that is for a reason. Your eyeballs might fly out of your head or something, but if, I don't want to stop you. If you think you should do that, you go ahead, and, and I don't want to discourage you. So he was walking around trying to get himself to sneeze. A couple of them were. But with God, nothing's impossible. In Mark chapter 9, Verse 23, I didn't give you this scripture up there, but it just, it's, Jesus kind of puts it in from God's court into our court. He says, everything is possible to the one who believes. So here's, the, you, got, you got these two statements, everything is possible with God and everything's possible to him who believes. Because you see what it's, what God's doing, what Jesus is saying, he's putting us into this divine partnership with God, isn't he? He's saying, look, God can do anything, but he's not going to do just do anything for you. You got to learn how to have some incredible faith, have some faith for the impossible. If you can believe the impossible, you can see the impossible. But you see, he kind of puts it on us a little bit. I, I read this. You might have read this as a child, Alice in Wonderland. And there's a conversation Alice has with one of the queens she's talking to. She says, one can't believe the impossible things. The queen answers, I dare say you haven't had much practice. Why, sometimes I've believed as many as six impossible things before breakfast. I kind of like that attitude, you know? Instead of walking around saying, I can't do that, it's impossible. I can't do this, it's impossible. No, I, 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 can believe, I can believe that much before breakfast. Come on. And here's what I feel like God's saying. In this season, in this time, he's calling you to more than you've ever experienced He's got more for you in store, more things to do, more. He's, he's got 
ministries for you. You might say, I'm not in the ministry. Yes, you are. He's got ministries for you that you haven't even begun to think about. He's got things for you to do that you've not even dreamed about. And you'd say in the natural, you'd say, no, no, these things are impossible. But I believe God's calling you into this season of impossible faith where you're believing him for extraordinary things. Listen, you've got an inheritance. We talk about this. You've got, you've got promises from God. You've got all this, everything in this book belongs to you, but it's gonna take some faith to take hold of some things. And I believe in this time, God's calling us to step out and use the faith that we've been given and start doing some things because this world is demanding a demonstration. This world is demanding a demonstration. Do you, have you, can you really back up what you're saying? Do you really believe God is able to do all things? I believe the world's looking for some demonstration and God's gonna use you to do some things in this world that might seem impossible to you, but you've just gotta get your thinking changed. You gotta get your mind renewed to the word of God. Are you with me? So let's start here. Go to Luke chapter nine. And we're gonna look at this story this morning. Familiar story, Luke chapter nine, verse 10. Feeding, Jesus feeds the 5,000, right? And you know there were, that's the 5,000. They counted the men. For some reason, the women and children didn't count. They, but they, kids can eat. Kids can eat. So they, he fed much more than 5,000 people. But here it is. It says in verse 10, the apostles returned and reported to Jesus all they'd done. And he took them along and they went privately to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowd found out, they followed him. And he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And he cured those who needed healing. Verse 12, late in the day, the 12 approached and said to him, send the crowd away so they can go to the villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a deserted place here. He said, look, the crowd's been here for a while. Why Jesus, why don't you send the crowd away so they can find some food? They're gonna be hungry. And listen to Jesus' response. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of rude. You give them something to eat. You know, if, if, if I told you that, you'd get mad at me. Hey, there's a whole big crowd here and they're hungry. Send them. No, you, why don't you give, go feed them? You'd get mad at me. How do you expect me to do that? I can't feed 5,000, 10,000 people, whatever it was. I can't do it. It's impossible. I like this story, right? Because Jesus puts it on them. You do it. You do it. You do the miracle. I believe Jesus was expecting them to do something. He wasn't just messing with them. He was, because they'd been hanging out with him now for a long period of time. They'd seen him do some impossible things. They, they should have had a little bit of faith. Do you notice these disciples, as you read through the stories, they never seemed to quite catch it, do they? They never seemed to quite catch it. He's always accusing them of having little faith. And I think that's the human nature, isn't it? It's just human nature to fall back on what we've seen and what we've experienced and what we, what we know. Well, this, isn't, this is natural, so we, we, we rely on our human reasoning rather than what the word of God says. So Jesus says, you give them something to eat. I like the Passion Translation. Jesus responded, you have the food to feed them. They didn't have the food. They just had a few loaves of bread and some fish, but they had the food. They had everything they needed. So he says, you give them something to eat. Does it ever seem like God expects too much from you? 
You know, you read the word of God and you think, really? Am I, I have to love my neighbor like myself? Does that ever seem like too much? Maybe, maybe your neighbors are perfect. Um, rejoice always. God, are, you really expect me to do that. That's impossible. How can I rejoice always? That's impossible. Hey, don't worry about anything. Seriously. Does, is God asking too much? He says, be imitators of God. How am I supposed to imitate God? That's too much. It's impossible. How can I imitate? Hey, be holy as I'm holy. Oh, okay. Be holy just like God's holy. It sounds impossible. Jesus said, you'll do even greater works than I'm doing because I'm going to the Father. Okay. That sounds impossible. But listen, we're in this, we're in, in, in this life, we have to learn how to live by faith. We have to learn how to, to live according to the word of God if we're going to see some impossible things. We are supposed to be living supernatural lives. You guys with me? In a supernatural life, you should be doing impossible things. That should be ordinary. Should be ordinary. When someone, when someone needs a miracle, hey, I've, I've got... I, I, I can, not that I have it, but I've got access to what you need. Because if the disciples had all the food they needed to feed them, if they had everything that they needed, listen, you've got everything you need. We sometimes walk around like, I don't have it. I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to work myself up so I feel it. No, you got it. You already got it. Do you have the Holy Spirit living in you? Come on. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And he's bringing life. Come on, so you've got everything you need. When was the last time you acted like it? Come on, I'm, I'm not trying to step on your toes, but if I do, it's okay. When was the last time we acted like it? When was the last time we prayed like it? Like we have all we need. Jesus told the disciples, you feed them. Here's, here's the thing. I think God wants us to get to a point where, we're, where we stop trying to do things in our own strength. I think that's what messes us up sometimes. I'm trying. Lord, I'm trying. Don't hey, be holy like I'm holy. Lord, I'm trying. Stop trying. Start letting him do the work through you. Are you with me? Lord, I'm trying to get this person healed. You can't heal anybody, but you've got, every, you've got access to everything you need. You pray the prayer and you use your faith. You know what I'm saying? Start, it's time we start living the impossible life. See, God doesn't, God doesn't set impossible goals that you can't reach. He's not like that. I can imagine doing that with my children. You know, hey, I want you, I want you to all become astronauts or I'll never be happy with you. They're never gonna, I want you all to become president or I'm not gonna ever love you. No, they, 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 can't, they can't do it. I just, I know my kids, they're probably not going to be president. Okay, I, well, maybe, maybe that's not true. Anybody can be president. We see, we see that. <laughs> bless it. Bless the Lord. I'm, I'm trying to be careful. They're going to, they're going to. Just bring it back. Bring it back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I usually don't say anything political and I just, I did that. Okay. Um, where was I? 
Um, Jesus was calling the disciples to the impossible. They had, listen, they had no way to do it in the natural, but he was inviting them to walk. Listen, I love this. Jesus was inviting the disciples to walk with the same kind of faith that he did. He was calling them to walk the same kind of life that he walked because he was preparing them now because he said, listen, when I go, you're going to keep doing the same works I did, but even greater. That's his desire for us. Keep doing the same things that he did. Just take it to the next level. You say, how is that possible? Listen, in the book of Acts, when, when Peter was walking down the road, no, yeah, Peter was walking down the road, his shadow would heal people, right? Jesus didn't do that, but listen, the Holy Spirit was, was in Jesus and the same Holy Spirit was in Peter. So Peter just was taking stuff to another level. That's not to diminish what Jesus did. Jesus told them they were going to do that stuff. And it brings him glory when they do that stuff because Peter knew it wasn't him. Goodness, look at Peter. He knew it wasn't him. But listen, here's what I'm saying. We got to start walking with that kind of faith. He's got more for you. I believe God's got more for you in this season. And there's a lot of people, listen, there's a lot of Christians not doing what God's calling them to do because they're looking at the wrong person. They're saying, Lord, I can't because I know I'm not good enough. I can't do it. I'm just, I don't have, I don't have what I need. And they're looking at what they don't have. But listen, God's given you everything you need. I'm going to show you this morning. God's calling us to do the impossible. When we recognize we can't do it on our own, we recognize that we need him. Come on, but I believe there's a lack of people believing for the impossible. There's a lack of people, lack of Christians believing impossible things. Listen, he says in Psalm chapter two, verse eight, ask of me and I'll give the nations for your inheritance. That's a pretty big ask. That's a pretty big ask. God's calling you to ask some big things but you can't ask for big things if you don't believe he's the God that can do the impossible. Because you get your eyes on you and you say, no, I'm not good enough. No, I can't do it. No, I don't have the, I don't have the resource. I don't have this. I don't have... No, he says, ask, and he can do it. There is nothing impossible for God, but you got to get to a place where you believe nothing's impossible. That's impossible. Nothing's impossible with God. Listen, you've got an inheritance that you can only take hold of by faith. You've got, God's got something for you that you can only take by faith. How are you saved? By grace through faith. Faith lets you take hold of the grace of God. Everything God has for you, you gotta take it by faith. The enemy's trying to keep you from it. Did you hear me this morning? The enemy's trying to keep you from it. He knows if he can keep you in the natural thinking, then he can keep you from receiving what's yours. Because as long as you stay in the natural, you'll think everything's impossible. Oh, I can't, I can't ask for that. That's impossible. You read the Bible. There were some impossible things that happened in there. This is, a, this is an impossible book, isn't it? It's impossible. To, to tell a fig tree to wither up and die. It's impossible, isn't it? Well, Jesus did it. Well, because nothing's impossible with God. It's impossible to say a word, let there be light, and there's light. No, God did it. There's nothing impossible with God. 
We got to get to a place where we recognize there's nothing impossible. And listen, in your life, there's nothing impossible. I don't care what needs you have. I don't care what, I don't, listen, I don't care what God's called you to do. You need to act by faith and take hold of it. If you need something, take hold of it by faith. If God's called you to do something, you, you take hold of that. You do it by faith. You don't worry about what you have or what you don't have. You take hold of what God's called you to do. You step out in faith. See, because God never calls you based on what you can do. I like that. He doesn't call you on what you're qualified for. In fact, in fact he, he kind of does the opposite, doesn't he? You look at Abraham, the old man, childless old man. God says, I, I call you a father of nations. What? He doesn't even have any kids. Call you a father of nations. Look at the 12 sons of Jacob. You got some heathen people there. I mean, you got, a, you got everything, everything in the book you could name. I think they pretty much did it. They were murderers, some of them, adulterers. I won't even get into this. There's some nasty stuff that happened back then. We got some, we got, most of them were liars. They tried to kill their brother, right, and sold him into slavery, lied about it. God calls them patriarchs, you know? Um, you, got a, you got a shepherd boy whose dad forgot he existed, the prophet said, call all of your sons. He called all his sons. He thought he did. And he said, don't you got any more sons? No. Oh, yeah. I forgot about David. Go get David. We forgot about it. God calls him king. You know? Bunch of fishermen, tax collectors, sinners. Jesus calls them apostles. Don't tell me you're not good enough. Come on, for what God's called you to do. It's not about you. See, if you got your, as long as you got your eyes on you, you're gonna miss it. As long as you got your eyes on you, you're never gonna do what God's calling you to do. You're never gonna be able to take what God's, what God's provided for you because you're looking at you and you think, I'm not good enough for that. No, it's not about you. It's about him. Look at Gideon for a second. I wanna go here, Judges chapter six. And we'll come back to those disciples in a minute. Judges chapter six, in verse 11, I'm gonna start here. An angel of the Lord came, appeared to, appeared to Gideon, who was threshing wheat in a wine vat in order to hide it from the Midianites. So you get this idea already. He's, he's a little bit cowardly, maybe. He's hiding from the Midianites so they don't take his food and he's threshing it in a wine vat. And an, the angel of the Lord appears to him and says, the Lord's with you, mighty warrior. Gideon said, come on, now look, guy, if the Lord's with us, why has all this happened? And where are his wonders that our fathers told us about? They said, hasn't the Lord brought us out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the power of Midian. Am I not sending you? He said to him, please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family's the weakest. And I'm the youngest in my father's house. There's a couple of really interesting things that Gideon says here. First off, um, the angel says God's with him. And he, he asks, if God's really with me, if God's really with us, where's his wonders? You know, I think that's a lot of Christians sometimes. Where's God? God, you said you'd be with us. I read this in the word. You said you'd never leave us, never forsake us. Where are you? God, I read this in the word that you heal all my diseases. Where are you? 
Where's your wonders? Where's the wonders? I want to see God's wonders. Where's the impossible things? Where's my miracles? Listen, they sit, people sit around waiting on God. But the wonders happen when man comes into partnership with God and steps out in faith and does what God's calling him to do. Right, Gideon brings up God bringing them out of Egypt. That didn't happen until a man came into partnership with God. God always uses a man. So sometimes we sit around, God, where's your wonders? God's waiting on you to act in faith on what he said. The wonders happen in your life as you're obedient to what God is calling you to do. I, I find that encouraging and a little scary. God calls me to do something. I'd like him to do it first so I can see. Did I really hear from God? Is that really? I remember this, and I've told you this story before, but I just, I remember being so scared. A time we were in Puerto Rico, we were praying for people for, for um, healing. And there was a man, he, he was a big man. He was, I don't know how, he was enormous. He came up on the stage, I don't know, he might have weighed close to 400 pounds. And he came up on the stage with a cane. He could barely walk, and I could see, I could see his face. He, he said, I've been in pain, I think for seven years I've been in pain, is what he said. He said, I can't, I can't hardly move without pain. They've given me pills that could sedate a horse, and it doesn't touch the pain. I don't even take them anymore. I just, I just live with pain every single day. I can't, I can't move without the pain. And I said, let's pray. We prayed. I said, now bend over. And the guy bent over. And I said, now stand up. And he didn't stand up. And I was so scared. I said, Lord, where's your wonders? Lord, didn't you do so? I could see the guy. I thought, so we're going to have to get a crane in here to pick this guy up. How are we going to do this? I was scared. Lord, where's your wonders? And the guy stood up and he took his cane. He threw it across the room. He said, he said, he's got no pain. He started dancing. I was so relieved. I'll just be honest. It'd be nice if it worked the other way where God just, God, you just move around the room and do stuff. But he wants to come into partnership with you. And it's a little scary, but he's waiting on us to step out in faith and take hold of his word and say, no, this is what God said. Let's do this. Hey, God's calling me to do something. Let me step out and do it. And as we step out, we believe he's going to show up and do what he said he would do. But he's waiting on us. So Gideon says, where's the wonders? And then he says, but wait a minute. My, my tribe's the smallest or the weakest, and I'm the, my family's the weakest in the tribe, and I'm the weakest of my family. That's a pretty, that's a pretty low down thought of yourself, isn't it? And maybe he was speaking the truth. I'm the, I'm the weakest. You pick the weakest family and the weakest guy in the family. But that's what God does. Because God doesn't look at the person. Or I should say, he doesn't look at the person's strength. He doesn't look at the person's ability. He doesn't look at the qualifications you have. He doesn't care about your education. Somebody say, amen. Education's good, don't get me wrong, if you want to get that. But if you don't got it, he doesn't care. He'll use you. Not based on what you can do, but based on what he can do through you. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when God called you. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many influential, not many of noble birth. 
But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things to shame the strong. He chose the lowly, the despised things, the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one can boast before him. Does that feel like your job description? I'm foolish. I'm lowly. I'm despised. But listen, God chose those things to nullify the things that are when he chose you. Listen, here's what he says. You might've been that way. You might've been foolish. You might've been lowly. You might've been a nobody. I, I gotta turn that song off when it comes on the radio. I, here I am again. I don't, not, I don't mind Caleb, it's fine. But I'm just a nobody telling everybody, shut up. God, you might've been a nobody when God called you. That's what you were. You were a nobody. You were foolish. You were lowly, but God chose you to shame the wise. He chose you to shame the foolish, to, to shame the wisdom of the world. God uses you. He doesn't leave you the way you were. He picks you up and transforms you. You're not just a nobody, God, because Jesus is in you. He made you somebody. Amen. It's gonna nullify the things that are. Listen, it sounds impossible. God doesn't need a lot, does he? He just needs you. That sounds a little bit insulting. He doesn't need a lot. He just needs you. He needs you to come into partnership with him, and then he can do a lot. But as long as you think you are a lot, come on, then you'd you be working by yourself. You can work by yourself and maybe you can do something, but that's not how God wants you to do this because that's called toiling. And we toil and we toil and we work and we work and we never get ahead. That's not how God called you to do things. That's not how he called you to do this life. He called you to come into partnership with him and do impossible things, amen? In Mark chapter six, it shares the story of the feeding of the 5,000 here. In verse 37, it says, Jesus says this way, you give them something to eat. He, res he responded, oh, that Jesus said that. They said to him, should we go and buy 200 denarii? A denarii, a denarii, I believe, was a day's wages. So 200 days wages worth of bread and give them something to eat? It'd take, a, it'd take almost a year's salary to feed these people. Jesus, are you kidding me? He, we don't have enough. And you know what this is? And this is a shortage mentality. This is a lack mentality. And this, this is the world's mentality. This is how they think. The world thinks this way. What do I have? Whatever I have is what I can do. How much can I, or how much can I borrow? Can I use someone else's? You know, go to the bank. How much will you give me? I'm going to use that. I can only do what I have. That's the world's mentality. It's a lack mentality. And that's crept into the church. You were never meant to live by what you have. You were meant to live by what he has. You're not meant. Listen, if God calls you to do something, you can't look at your pocketbook and say, no, I don't have, Lord, I don't have enough to do it. And God says, oh, excuse me, I didn't know how much money you had. I'll go to somebody else who has more money. Listen, it doesn't matter how much you have. It matters what he can do. And when we look at our resources, here's really what we're saying to God. God, I, I, I don't have enough, so I'm only going to do what, what am I, I'm serving. I'm serving a different master than you. I'm serving my pocketbook. Whatever my, my pocketbook says is what I can do. 
Whatever my wallet says I have, whatever my checkbook says in there, that's what I can do. I can only do what I have. So who am I trusting? I'm trusting my, my wallet. Man can't serve two masters. You can only serve one master. You, God might be calling you to something. Listen, I know there's some people in here. You're believing God. God's calling you to do something bigger than you. And you, you take hold of what God said. You take hold of what God said and you believe that. I don't care how much resources you have. I care about what, how much resources he has. He can provide all of your needs. Amen. 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 We don't live by what we have. Listen, I don't care if you need, if you need a new body part. If you need, some of you maybe need, you need something. Something's, something's wearing out. He's got, he's got no shortage. I heard somebody say he's got a whole warehouse in heaven full of body parts. What, you need a new leg? He's got those. You know, he who created the world with a word. Nothing is impossible for God. There might be some people in this room, God's raising you up to ministries that you've never thought about. He's going to be using you. Maybe it's in your workplace. You're going to have a healing ministry in your workplace. Maybe it's in your, on, on your trips to Walmart. God knows we need some missionaries to Walmart. Come on. Wherever you are, God wants to use you to do some impossible things. Nothing's impossible with God. Amen. Listen, in Exodus chapter three, go there just for a second. Exodus three, verse seven, God talks to Moses. See, there's nothing impossible with God, but most of God's people are good at making excuses. They're like Moses. Look at, look at verse seven. The Lord said to Moses, I've observed the misery of my people in Egypt and I've heard them crying out because of their oppressors. And I know about their sufferings. I come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and bring them to the land that's a good land. And he talks about all this. And he says in verse nine, the Israelites cry for help has come to me. I've also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh so you can lead my people out of Egypt. So Moses is talking to God, right? In a bush that's on fire, but it's not burning out. Can you imagine Right, Moses, he, he stands before that burning bush. God begins to speak to him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna use you. It's that divine partnership. I'm gonna send you to Egypt and you're gonna lead my people out. And how can you argue with that? But Moses does. But God, look at verse 11. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God, who am I? He doesn't even know who he is. God, who am I? How can I go lead the people out of Egypt? I'm just a nobody. No, God didn't call you nobody. Come on. So he sends Moses. The poor guy doesn't know who he is. And I think most Christians don't know who they are. I want to tell you who you are this morning. Listen, you're a child of God. You're part of the family of God. The word of God says you're more than a conqueror. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're filled with his Holy Spirit. Come on, you've been, you have resurrection power in you and you've been given authority over 
unclean spirits, over disease, over sickness, over demons, but we act like, who am I? Come on, did you just hear who you were, who you are, and we act like, I don't know, I don't know how I, Lord, I think you got the wrong person. I don't know that I can do this. I don't know that I can do that. Listen, the devil wants you asking that question because as long as you think you're just a nobody, you're never gonna do what God's calling you to do because you think you're not good enough. But listen, it's not about you, is it? Look at verse 12. God tells Moses that he'd be with him. He says, it's okay, I'm with you. And he says, I'll certainly be with you. This will be the sign that I've sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you're gonna worship me on this mountain. Now listen to what Moses says to that, right? God, who am I? I can't do this. No, it's okay. I'm gonna be with you. The burning bush is talking to him. I'm gonna be with you. And you're gonna come back and worship me on this mountain. Moses says, Look, if I go say to them, the God of your father sent me to you, and they say, well, who's that? who is he? What's his name? Well, Lord, what do I say? I don't really know who you are. He doesn't know who he is, and he doesn't know who God is. He's in a pretty sorry state, isn't he? Moses, it's okay. I'll be, at, I'll be with you. Well, who are you? I'm asking for a friend. What's your name? That's basically what he's saying. If they, if they ask me, they're, they're probably going to want to know, uh, what, who are you? It, almost, it would be funny if it wasn't so sad. He just doesn't know who he is. But listen, the word of God says the people who know their God will do exploits. They'll do great things. The more you know God, the more you know what's available to you. The more you know God, the more you know how he does impossible things. The more you know God, the more you know he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can ask or imagine. The more you know God and who he is in your life and recognize what he's done for you, you begin to recognize there is nothing impossible, and if you'll only ask, you can receive it. But you gotta start to recognize who God is in your life. So the conversation goes on with Moses in chapter four, he says, what if they don't believe me? God gives them a bunch of signs, right? Throw down your staff, it becomes a snake. Put your hand in your shirt, it becomes leprosy. If you take some water from the Nile and pour it out, it'll become blood. He gives them the signs, and that's still not enough for Moses. He says, please, Lord, in verse 10, I haven't been eloquent in the past or recently since you've been speaking to me, but I'm slow in speech and hesitant in speech. He's got a stutter or some kind of problem with his speech. And see, his eyes were on himself the whole time. God's showing him all these miracles. He just turned his staff into a snake. He just put it in his hand and it became leprosy. Put it back, it was healed. He's, he's, God's showing him wonders and it's not enough because I'm looking at me. Do you get the point? This is our human nature to look at ourselves and say, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I want you to know something today. If you don't catch anything else, it's not about you. It's about him. There is nothing holding you back. Listen to me. There is nothing holding you back. Whatever God's spoken to you, he's able to do. Whatever God's put into your heart, you run with it. Whatever God, whatever you're believing God for, you just hold on to it by faith. It's gonna take some faith to believe God. It's gonna take some faith to see impossible things in your life. Some of you have seen some impossible things, but I wanna tell you today, you're, you've not seen anything yet. I believe God has more in store for you in these last days, more in store for you in your future than anything you've seen up to this point. 
Amen. I believe we're in a season we're going to begin to see miracles taking place, miracles, signs, and wonders taking place on a regular basis. The impossible is becoming possible. Amen. Let me go back to this story in Luke chapter 9, and I'm going to close with this. Luke 9, verse 14. Jesus told his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 They did so. They had them sit down. He took five loaves and two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them, and he kept giving them to his disciples to set before the crowd. Everyone ate and was filled, and they picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. So here's here's the scenario. I know you know the story, but just think about it for a minute, what it must have looked like to see Jesus break bread and then break it. It just just, doesn't end. It's being multiplied in his hands. It's being multiplied. He told the disciples, you feed them. He told them, you have everything you need. They said, they looked at what little they had and said, we don't have enough. He looked at the little they had and said, no, with God, little is much. There was a multiplication factor that happened as as they began to use what was given. And I think that's the key for us. As you begin to use what you're given, it gets multiplied. You say, I just have a little bit. No, it's the law of sowing and reaping. And it works for every part of your life. As you begin to sow it, it might be, a, it might be some kind of ministry. As you begin to be faithful, I've heard people say, well, God's called me to preach. Go preach. Go stand on a street corner and preach. As you're faithful, God's gonna multiply it. But you gotta learn how to be faithful with what God's called you to do. God's called me to Minister to the homeless people. Go find some homeless people. It'll multiply. Your ministry is going to multiply. But I only, got, I only got a couple sandwiches. Go use them. God's calling you to use the gifts, the talents, the, the resources that you have. As you begin to use that little bit, he'll multiply it. It's sowing and reaping. It has to work. But you use it by faith. So there's Jesus just breaking bread just breaking bread. I don't know if he broke the fish. That seems a little gross to me, but whatever he did with, somehow the fish was multiplied too. And they ate and the people ate and they ate until they were stuffed and they couldn't eat anymore. And then they picked up leftovers. This blows my mind. Jesus made leftover fish, right? In, in the hot sun with no refrigerators. I don't know how long that was going to last, but there was leftovers, Anybody want some leftover bread and fish? Jesus, he made 12 baskets full of leftovers. See, when you give God your little bit, you're going to have so much. You're going to have so much surplus. He's going to be doing things through you that you never imagined. And so much surplus, you're gonna, this, things are going to explode. Listen, we're about to explode. He's given you so much. You start being faithful with what God's given you. And it's going to be multiplied in your hands. I want you to stand up with me. Thank you, Lord. Don't don't let anything hold you back. I think this is the point this morning. You don't let anything hold you back. God is a God who does impossible things. And there's nothing impossible with him in your life. If you can believe Jesus said that, I read that verse in the beginning, nothing is impossible to him who believes. Do you believe that he's the God of the impossible? Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? 
listen, maybe there's somebody here, and I just want to start with this. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that you know your life isn't right with Jesus. You've, maybe you've never given him your life or you've been away from him, and today's your day to come back. Listen, nothing's impossible with him. You might look at yourself and say, no, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not, uh, I've not, not, not been a good person. I've been a sinner. No, listen, Jesus came to save us. He came to make our lives right. If you, if you go around this room and ask, you'll hear a bunch of previous sinners. But when Jesus comes into your life, he transforms you. And so if that's you this morning, you say, I need to give my life right with Jesus. I need to give him my life today and surrender my life to him. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. And right where you are, we're going to pray with you. Or if you're watching online, pray with me right now. If you need to get your life right with Jesus, you just say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person. I give you my life today, Jesus. Amen. But listen, for the rest of us here today, I believe God's, been, God's got a call for you. I believe he calls each one of us. And he's not looking for what you have and what you're, what you're able to do and what your qualifications are and how much education you've got. He's looking for somebody who's willing and saying, Jesus, I'm willing to do what you're calling me to do. I believe the Lord's going to speak to you. He's going to put dreams in your heart. He's going to put visions in front of you, things that he's calling you to do. And don't you dare look at what you've got. Don't you dare look at what people say and, and, and weigh it. You just listen to what the word of God says. Because with God, nothing's impossible. And so this morning, I want to pray for you. If, you. if you have a need in your life, listen, nothing is impossible with God, whether it's in your marriage, in your family, in your body, whatever it is, there's nothing impossible with God. You just receive that today. I want you to raise your hands with me and receive this. Say, Jesus, I believe nothing's impossible. There's nothing impossible with you. So I receive all that you have for me. Lord, today we thank you for miracles. Lord, we thank you for signs. We thank you for wonders to confirm the word. Lord, we thank you today for faith to rise up within each one of us to believe for the impossible. Lord, whatever it is that you're, that you're speaking to us, whatever it is that we're believing for, Lord God, I thank you. You are more than enough. I thank you your word is more than enough. Lord, I thank you for all that you've done for us and what you're doing in this time. In your name we pray that, amen.